Blog Talk Radio.
in a recent decision by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries to maintain current levels of production could result in a crash in the domestic shale oil industry. I wonder who's invested in that. A glut of oil resulting in a drop in market prices might make investment in new fracking operations unprofitable in energy, energy industry insiders say. No kidding. The recent fall in the price of oil is only partially about supply and demand. Instead, it's about how OPEC is responding to the threat that U.S. oil production, particularly cost-intensive fracking, poses to its preeminence in global oil markets. Oil tycoon Leonid Fruden told Bloomberg News that OPEC's policy on crude oil production will ensure the U.S. fracking boom will eventually crash. Fuden, I think that's how he pronounces it, F-E-D-U-N, Fuden, a billionaire board member of Lukoil, Russia's second biggest oil producer, said OPEC's objective is cleaning up the American marginal market and that when it's successful, the price of oil will once again rise. The shale boom is on par with the dot-com boom, said Fuden. The strong players will remain. The weak ones will vanish. At a meeting in Vienna on Friday, the 12th, OPEC nations agreed to keep output targets unchanged at 30 million barrels a day, despite a 35% slump in prices since June. Strong competition from North American oil producers, especially U.S. shale fields, has caused the surge in supply. A decrease in global demand is also behind the falling prices. While fracking operations in the U.S. will add about a million barrels of oil a day in 2014, American oil producers might become victims of their own success. Should the price of a barrel of oil, which stands near $70 a barrel today, drop any further, it could threaten financing for shale exploration and trigger rapid market consolidation. Much of the recent increase in fracking is funded with borrowed money. Oh, that's true. I think the lending to companies that are going to drill that kind of well is going to stop. Right now, said Philip Furlinger, an economist. While it's hard to pinpoint how much it costs to produce a barrel of fracked oil in the U.S., Norwegian Oil Consultancy, Rystad Energy, said it costs an average of $62 a barrel in much of the U.S. Oil extraction in the Arctic costs $78 a barrel on average. In Canada's oil sands, oil costs $74 a barrel. The prices vary by region and, com and companies, so some companies may actually have much higher costs, which means they might produce, be producing oil at a loss. By contrast, it costs less than $30 a barrel to produce oil in the Middle East. Industry analysts are already lowering expectations for U.S. energy markets, with some forecasting oil will drop to $68 a barrel by early 2015. Oil futures are at their lowest in four years. U.S. oil producers are only continuing to thrive at the moment because they already have previous arrangements to sell their oil at $90 or above. Feeden says these arrangements are due to expire soon, which will lead to an industry crash. The decision by OPEC shows that rival oil-producing nations aren't phased by new competition from the U.S. 
and are willing to wait out a short-term plunge in oil prices. There's a price decline. That does not mean that we should really rush and do something. OPEC Secretary General Abdullah Salam Salam al-Badri told BBC News, we don't want to panic. We want to see the market, how the market behaves, because the decline of the price does not reflect a fundamental change. Well, I think that the reason they do what they do is... uh, I thought they wanted to upset the Russian economy. Well, I think it's upsetting all the uh, other... And Venezuela. Yeah. But it's also upsetting our own. And that's, uh, which is which is kind of funny, really. It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous how, how this stuff works. Everybody feeds off of the, you know, the glut of oil, and then as the prices start to plummet, uh, everybody starts getting worried, except the consumer, because mm-hmm. he's having a good day. For know, once. For once. But let, let's go on. I, I, I was trying to bring this up before I mentioned that, but uh, I... Protesters stage a moral Monday civil disobedience action in Ferguson. I don't understand the Ferguson riots. I don't understand the indictments. I don't understand, you know, all of this stuff. Because to me, what happened there, uh, though I don't live in Ferguson, you know, I I, I have uh, experienced uh, police harassment, uh, you know, in my life, but, but I've never... I, I don't understand the um, I don't understand the issue to be this as explosive as it is because it's been going on for years both both in both ways you know and and um, I'm a white guy and I, I've been I've been tracked and per, you know stopped and all that stuff but you know while there's a white woman she's been stopped you know um, right pulled over. Ever had a speeding violation? One. There you go. Right. I've had, I've had but but I was speeding. Yeah. I can't say that I wasn't, so it wasn't yeah. the policeman's fault. But you know, it, it's not. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just part of the. You know, looking at the, the this week's uh, in Connecticut, there was uh, 50 uh, DUIs pulled over uh, on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. Almost 2,000 moving violations. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's a good thing they pulled you know, over the people who had a thousand speeding violations. But you know, these guys were all pulled over. Legitimately, you know, yeah, I'm sure. I, I guess I don't think they were all pro, uh, profiled. I think they were, you know, um, most of them probably had, uh, you know, obvious problems there. But uh, we'll, we'll see if any of that happens. But here is something that um, it says: uh, activists promise wave of demonstrations in style of North Carolina-based grassroots movement. Uh, this is by uh, Nadia Putis from IntelHub.com. As hundreds of protesters marched to the steps of Ferguson Police Station to demand an edit and end to police brutality and racism, activists throughout the city prepared for a series of planned demonstrations in what organizers are calling a Moral Monday uh, style of civil disobedience. Activist and academic, uh, Dr. Cornell West, was among the first of the roughly 600 protesters to be arrested. Uh, those in attendance reported Moral Mondays, a grassroots movement uh, which began last year in North Carolina, saw uh, activists in that state entering legislature buildings and uh, being peacefully arrested 
as part of an effort to protest discriminatory laws. A number of clergy, okay, I just want to, okay, this particular article, I should say, uh, was uh, published on uh, the 13th of October, so more has happened since then, but uh, they've been having moral Mondays for a little while. Um, some protesters drew a chalk line, outline body of a body outside the station as a memorial to Michael Brown, the unarmed black teenager who was shooting death on August 9th at the hands of Officer Darren Wilson, who was white, launched months of protest against police racism and brutality. As rain began to fall harder and harder, some activists sang hymns while others shouted, fight back, and shut it down. So, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, there's more on Monday, but maybe there's... I I I just don't know. Uh, I I just don't know for some reason why why there are so many problems here with this. Uh, well, because there's a lot of racism. Too many still, problems there. There's yeah. still a lot of racism yeah. in this country. Well, that's true. That's true. That's what it boils down to. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. We don't experience. We don't really know what that's like. No. Because we haven't really experienced it to the degree that black people have in this country. Certainly when I was growing up, I was um, raised in uh, Massachusetts in the 40s and early 50s. Um, I was white, Irish, Catholic. And that was, there was still a lot of prejudice at that time toward Irish Catholics. And you, it disappeared by the end of the 50s into the 60s because there were more of us than there were um, Protestants in my community. But when I started out there, we were not welcome, you know, Irish Catholic kids weren't welcome into the little groups that they had, you know, like Girl, Girl Scouts or that kind of thing. They were That was, you know, well, they didn't have any Irish Catholics. They had, it was a, a form of discrimination. Uh, democracy now uh, has a has covered a story that I was gonna uh, that I might I might use tonight. I don't know, but it was a story about um, um, said uh, racism is the root of America. I wonder what they mean by that. Well, then that's because our, our our country started off in racist. Well, that's uh, true. The way we slavery, you know, the uh, indigenous people, the indigenous we still we still have them on reservations. We've slaughtered yeah, them and yeah, taken their yeah, resources yeah. and land. I mean, when we look at what we did and what we're doing and how we how we justify it by saying, well, Such hypocrisy. we're white guys, you know, mm. or, you know, I, 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 I the founding of this country was based on taking what isn't yours. Yeah, well, it was somebody else's because they were weaker or less, you know, organized. So but let, 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 let me look at this. See, this has a lot to do with something that I, I've been, we've been talking about for a long time, is depopulation. Uh-huh. Right? There are so many plans out there to depopularize, the depopulate, I should say, the, 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 the world, okay? And this particular one, uh, written by Mike Adams, which, uh, you know, he's, he's he, he's a fascinating guy. He does uh, naturalnews.com. Oh, yeah, but, the health but, ranger. Yeah, but he wrote this on uh, November 18th. Uh, it says, Population Reduction White Paper 
argues that the killing of two billion people still isn't enough. Right? Oh my God! Yeah, he says he says a catastrophic human event is needed. Right? Now, folks, and I'm going to show you some of the events that have come up that that I feel, I feel are, are are definitely planned. In the modern era, uber-left-wing academics who view environmentalism as a religion and take on blind faith that the world is being destroyed by the infestation of human beings have long considered and discussed how to best achieve population control and even population reduction. Most have been careful not to actually state what it is they would really like to see, the mass murder of billions of people so they could save the planet through avoidance of destruction by humans. But even reasonably astute observers can see through the veneer of their concern and figure out what they really want. One recent academic paper serves as a perfect example of this hiding our zest for depopulation by any means mentality. Corey J. Bradshaw and Barry W. Brooks, both of the Environmental Institute and School of the Earth and Environmental Sciences, at the University of Adelaide in Adelaide, Australia, note that even a loss of two billion over the people over the course of five years still would not be enough of depopulation effort to do the Earth much good. A catastrophic human event is needed. The paper titled Human Population Reduction is not a quick fix for the environmental problem, states this issue thusly. In a summary, note that the authors have already essentially concluded what the problem is and who is responsible. The planet's large-growing and over-consuming human population, especially the increasing affluent component, is rapidly eroding many of the Earth's natural ecosystems. However, society's only really policy lever to reduce the human population humanely is to encourage lower per capita fertility. How long might fertility reduction take to make a meaningful impact? We examine various scenarios for global human population change to the year 2100 by adjusting fertility and mortality rates, both chronic and short-term interventions, to determine the plausible range of outcomes. Even one child policy imposed worldwide and catastrophic mortality events would still likely result in a 5 to 10 billion people by 2100. Because of this demographic momentum, there are no easy ways to change the broad trends of human population size this century, except perhaps some sort of mass casualty or pandemic, world war. That is the possibility the authors examine in the body of their work. In this paper's abstract, the authors talk of the inexorable demographic momentum of the growing human population, which, of course, rapid, is rapidly eroding Earth's life support systems, so there's no proof of this. Notice how the authors state it as a fact. The authors also state there are consequently more frequent calls to address environmental problems, which must be dealt with using further reductions in human fertility. And here is the crux of the authors' studies variable. To examine how quickly this could lead to smaller human population, 
we use scenario-based matrix modeling to project the global population to the year 2100. Assuming a continuation of current trends in mortality reduction, even a rapid transition to a worldwide one-child policy leads to a population similar to today's by 2100. Even a catastrophic mass mortality event of 2 billion deaths over a hypothetical five-year window in the mid-21st century would still yield around 8.5 billion people by 2100. In the absence of catastrophe or large fertility reductions to fewer than two children per female worldwide, the greatest threats to ecosystems as measured by regional projections within the 35 global biodiversity hotspots indicates that Africa and South Asia will experience the greatest human pressure on the future ecosystem. So they have to do something there, is that what they're saying? Yeah, which they are. And they, they have to sound reasonable to be taken seriously. Now, please, I, I want to remark the one thing. This is very similar to what, uh, this is following the Agenda 21 uh, promised by the UN that came out in 1992, but also it came out the Global Population Reduction uh, Report, uh, sponsored by Jimmy Carter, okay, and uh, uh, Henry Kissinger, yeah. and Zbigniew Brzezinski, okay. These were the three guys back then that signed that created the report. Jimmy Carter was the first one to sign off on it. Right, the great humanitarian that he was, mm. which is stating that the world population must be reduced by two thirds by the year of 2050. Right. So how they, they go were about hoping, it? They were hoping that it would be by the year 2000, but those 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 uh, you know they they found that uh, with everything they could do, no matter how many wars or what bombs or whatever they could do, they you know they couldn't uh, they couldn't destroy enough people. You know. So, uh, you know, in the 1980s, uh, Reagan signed off on that as well. And, of course, he, uh, you know, uh, escalated uh, military campaigns around the world and military spending. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, to, you know, virtually uh, he and Carter and uh, others virtually destroyed the economy, thinking that, you know, poverty uh, would, 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 uh, would uh, destroy uh, people. Destroy a lot of people. Wars destroy people with disease, okay? And, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, what they did, you know, creating, uh, you, know, uh, you know, chemical warfare and all, all this kind of stuff. The lion tick. The lion, yeah, exactly. Perfect you example. Know, and and uh, uh, many, many other bioweapons that were used on people in this country and other countries. But the, the most important thing to note is that you can go on to Google has it. It's it, the whole report's there, all right? And it states, uh, you know, the Global 2000 report. And it, uh, and, it, and it mirrors basically what this guy's saying, all right, and what those people wrote in that book. But they're saying, oh, uh, we can't, uh, even if even if we kill everybody, two, there are two, two billion people die, we're still going to be overpopulated. Right. Yes, I mean, it's, it's so greedy. They have to have the whole yeah, earth exactly. to themselves. And, and, it's, and it's not, yeah, exactly. So buried in their paper is the hope for a solution, some sort of catastrophic mass mortality that would dramatically reduce the Earth's population because, you know, that's what has to happen if we are to save the planet. 
To cover for this uh, hope of con- for conclusion, however, the authors realize that they must at least sound reasonable. Humanity's large demographic momentum means that there are no easy policy levers to change the size of the, of the uh, human population. Um, I think that's no, uh, yeah, watch the computer, but uh, shaking of the printer. Um, no, go ahead. No, Keep okay. going. Uh, humanity's large demographic momentum means that there is no. I, I just read that. Yeah. Short of extreme and rapid reduction in female fertility, it will take centuries, and a long-term target remains unclear. Bradshaw and Brooke also noted that some reduction in human population could be reached by mid-century some manner, which would at least result in hundreds of millions fewer people to feed. But, you know, if these guys keep working on it, they'll, they'll find a way to do it. And I want to show you, they have already have found a way to do it. And they've found that way uh, through uh, their finance, through Ebola. But here, uh, in July, uh, this, uh, this guy wrote... Um, Sergey uh, Bar- Baranov. Um, Sergey Baranov. Yeah, it says the genocide of the human race, Fukushima. Yeah. And uh, that might be interesting to look Living and dying. Three uh, years have passed since the explosion at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant in Japan. He said, and living and dying under a fascist nuclear regime. What has been done to halt the nuclear crisis since then? As we speak, there are 400 tons of radioactive water dumped daily into the Pacific Ocean, plus an unmeasurable amount of radiation continuously released into the air, spreading particles of death around the globe. For any thinking person, it would be unthinkable to remain silent in the face of this horrendous nuclear disaster. Personally speaking, I cannot fully express my outrage, even if I were to use all four languages I speak, simply because it goes beyond words. Yesterday after sorry, yesterday after watching the following video yeah, yesterday after watching the following video I had to take a long walk in the mountains to breathe cool air in order to prevent my blood from boiling, thinking about Fukushima. Seeing the threat of extinction of the human race and annihilation of all the organic life on Earth, while realizing my inability to stop it myself was quite painful. Of course, it would take a combined effort of millions of people around the world to put enough pressure on their governments and through them to force the nuclear industry to stop the human holocaust. I believe it would be just possible, despite the fact that governments are mostly representing industries, not people. Nevertheless, they still are facing re-election and can be forced to act in our favor, favor under major pressure. But since there isn't a coordinated worldwide movement against the Fukushima nuclear fiasco, no measures are being taken to tackle the crises. In fact, it gets worse. Not only were no measures taken to stop the nuclear catastrophe by the government of Japan, a bill has been enacted into law on December 6, 2013, called the State Secrecy Law, which provides 10 years imprisonment to anyone leaking a sensitive 
for embarrassing information in the public interest and journalists from trying to obtain it. Under, under this bill, any type of information concerning Fukushima could be classified as sensitive, thus making an inquiry into it to be a criminal act. Now, this is in Japan, Yeah, there's not a word said about it. No, no, no. 
like it never happened. Here's another one. I, I, you know, this happened in June uh, last year, but um, let's see if there's something more. Yeah, uh, this guy, if you want to read this one, this sure. guy writes, um, okay, this one here, uh, eugenesis say that the emissaries of death, our emissaries of death, engineer your, your future. Who do you want to do that? And this is by Sergi Baranov again. And as we move toward totalitarian and the human society, it isn't difficult to picture. Want to read this? Sure. Yeah. Let's, see. Let's, see. Oh. Let's see. Genetically engineered. Actually, I don't know why. Originally, oh, okay, it was posted in March, but originally mm -hmm. posted in September. As we move toward, oh, go ahead. Okay. As we move towards totalitarianism as a human society, it isn't difficult to picture a future in which a birth licenses would be required and mandatory embryo screening required, obligating the parents to do all necessary genetic modification advised by the medical doctor. Genetically engineering ethical babies is a moral obligation, says an Oxford professor. Genetically screening our offspring to make them better people isn't just responsible parenting, claims an eminent Oxford academic. By screening in and screening out certain genes in the embryos, it should be possible to influence how a child turns out. If we have the power to intervene in the nature of our offspring rather than consigning them to a natural lottery, then we should. Whether we like it or not, the future of humanity is in our hands. Rather than fearing genetics, we should embrace it. We can do better than chance. Well, apparently, Doc, to me as a father, responsible parenting means something completely different from what it obviously means to you. I'm glad I'm not part of an academic world. My life does not depend on the government and corporate grants. Thus, being a free thinker, I would rather say that genetically modified babies uh, would mean the end of humanity as we know it. I'm sure the reader is familiar with the term eugenics, but just in case he isn't, here is a brief overview. Eugenics is the biosocial bio movement that advocates practices to improve the genetic heredity of human species. It's aimed to produce a more desirable people, thus allegedly improving the human race. Mm. And he talks but about who makes the decision as to what's desirable? He does? Yeah, well, the, no, the, the, the uh, think tanks. The uh, committee. The yeah, committee. The death panels and the, the uh, you know, the, uh, what, sterility panels. You know, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. So it, it's really it's really quite quite bizarre stuff. Uh, you know, mm -mm. It's amazing. Um, we can go to a little quick music break. If you okay, like, sure. That's kind of scary. It is kind of scary. But this is what's going on, and a lot of people just don't seem to, you know, believe it. They want to duck their heads in the mm -hmm. sand there, and they don't believe it. And we've been talking about this for years, but, you know, uh, Well, let, let's go on. I'll be, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. This is uh, kind of fun. Music. Okay. 
guy here, uh, David Suzuki, I don't know if anybody's heard of him, but uh, he's a geneticist. He's been on television. He's a famous uh, Japanese uh, geneticist. And he said, any politician or scientist who tells you these GMO products are safe is either very stupid or lying. Okay? Mm. He's a geneticist. Right? And he says, there is no way we can say GMOs are completely safe for consumption. There is a tremendous amount of science that shows this. There is a reason they are now banned in multiple countries. Right? And uh, Obama amnesty. I think this is, yeah, I, w- I was going to read this tomorrow night because it's, so, it's, it's a more of a thing, but this is very important news. Uh, Obama's amnesty, okay, Obamacare clash. Businesses have $3,000 incentives to hire illegals. Mm. Yeah. I can imagine that. I mean, this comes from the Washington Times. And Americans can't get jobs. Yeah, I mean, regular American citizens can't get jobs. So what this bastard is doing is giving, you know, giving everybody incentives to hire illegal workers. Okay, not only to pay them under the table and pay them shit, I'm sorry, pay them lousy wages, but, you know, He's given taxpayer incentive. He's given three three thousand dollars per employee incentive to hire illegal aliens. What the hell is that all about? That seems so unfair. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Under the president's new amnesty, businesses will have a three thousand dollar per employee incentive to hire illegal immigrants over native-born workers because of a quirk of Obamacare. President Obama's temporary amnesty, which lasts three years, declares up to 5 million illegal immigrants to be lawfully in the country and eligible for work permits, but it still deems them ineligible for public benefits, such as buying insurance on Obamacare's health exchanges. Under the Affordable Health Care Act, that means businesses who hire them won't have to pay a penalty for not providing them health coverage, mm-hmm. making them $3,000 more attractive than a similar native-born worker who the business, by law, would have to cover. Want to read that? The loophole. The, the loophole was confirmed by congressional aides and drew considerable condemnation from those who said it put illegal immigrants ahead of Americans on the job market. If it is true that the president's actions give employers a $3,000 incentive to hire those who came here illegally, he has added insult to industry to injury, said Representative Lamar Smith, Texas Republican. The president's actions would have just moved those who came here illegally to the front of the line ahead of the unemployed and underemployment and underemployed Americans. A Department of Homeland Security official confirmed that the newly legalized immigrants won't have access to Obamacare, which opens up the loopholes for employers looking to avoid the penalty. So they'll just hire them for for low wages, not have to pay them any insurance, okay? Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, and yeah, and, and, and not, not bother with the, with the American worker. Yeah. Oh, man, I'll tell you. This is a sick, sick world. President's approval rating. Do you approve of the president's performance? Vote here now. Do. <laughs> uh, okay. But the human, the Health and Human Service Department, which oversees Obamacare, referred questions to the White House, which didn't reply to a request for comment. I'll bet. But 
Mr. Obama, traveling in Chicago Tuesday to defend his immigration plan, said his moves would boost the economy and vowed he would, they wouldn't hurt American workers' wages. Immigrants are good for the economy. We keep on hearing that they're bad, but a report by my Council on Economic Advisors put out last week shows how the actions we're taking will grow our economy for everybody, he said. This isn't the first time the Obamacare loophole has popped up on immigration. The overhaul bill that passed the Senate on a bipartisan vote last year created the same situation, granting illegal immigrants a long probationary period where they could legally work but weren't eligible for public benefits such as Obamacare. At the time, Arizona Senator John McCain, one of the bill's GOP authors, acknowledged the problem and vowed to change it before it became law. Despite passing the Senate, the bill was stalled, with Democratic leaders refusing to send it to the House for further action. And there's more of it. Um, So let's go. It kind of goes on, but I I, I want to give it to you. The point is that they don't don't Uh, qualify for Obamacare, and they're $3,000 more attractive than than the American worker. They they don't get penalized, the employers, and uh, they don't have to provide any um, health insurance to, to, to them. Ooh, it seems like Walmart will be going out hiring them all. Sure, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody will. You know, that's, that's what you want. And put the American worker to hell and I work again. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know what's kind of interesting is, uh, you know, men who like female superheroes. Uh, here's, here's something that... This is, this, this is so exciting. Whenever I remember, you know about Iceland? Oh, what about it? How they beat the 1%? Yeah. Well, look at this. It says, Iceland did it soaking wheat. Okay? I, I, I think they, I'm so inspired by them. Uh, Iceland did it soaking wheat. Bankers jailed. Politicians replaced. No shots fired. In 2008, remember we were yep. on the air when that happened? We were on, uh, not the air, but we were on, yeah, we were on uh, radio there. I can't believe what they did. They were fabulous. Yeah. They rewrote their constitution. They rewrote their constitution. They, they jailed all the bankers. They they dis, dis, destroyed all the political parties. Yeah. They just said bullshit. We don't want any of this. So and but in 2008, citizens forced the resignation of both the prime minister and the effective government. That was one of them. In 2010. Prime Minister was indicted. Over 200 criminal charges were filed against the bank bankers, and all of the former CEOs of the biggest banks were arrested. Others were forced to leave the country. In 2010, the Assembly is elected to write a new constitution to avoid entrapments of debt. Um, 25 citizens are chosen with no political affiliation. Their only qualification for candidacy are adulthood and the support of 30 people. You imagine that? Wow. Yeah, to, yeah you can be a candidate if you've got 30 people to back you. And, and as I said, in 2010, the main bank of Iceland was nationalized. And in 2010, the new government forgave debt exceeding 110% of home values. So it gave, forgave all, For everyone. all, all the workers. So 
everybody became. And their government didn't go under. No, no. In fact, the they, people are thriving. They're thriving. Everybody's got health insurance, and everybody's got a job, and the world is better. And every, you know, there's no crappy bankers, no nothing. You know what I mean? And they can run their own government. Once you give up your financial autonomy, you're conquered. Here's this guy, uh, Horger Torfusen, the organizer of this, the Icelandic Revolution. Oh. Yeah. Pretty excited, guys. Yeah? I thought so. Second Bill of Rights. Every American has the right to a job, an adequate wage, and decent living, a decent home, mm-hmm. medical care, economic protection during sickness, accidents, old age, or unemployment, and a good education. What's wrong with that? That's mm-hmm. the second door right. I agree. Nothing wrong with that. can borrow money at 0.75% interest. Why can't we? Or or so can college students. We need to stop treating students as profit takers. Hi. Ooh, hey. 
Okay. Right? And uh, where does the aluminum go? Your brain. Uh-huh. And what metal shows up alarmingly in the brains of Alzheimer's victims? You guessed it. Aluminum. Sajaya, 
fire strikes uh, during the recent conflicts damaged many of the buildings. Uh, residents already face a cold winter without electricity or water. Residents of the Shikaradin district of Gaza City were forced to leave their homes with their belongings. Look at these pictures. Sajaya infrastructure remains extremely damaged since the summer conflict, and now they're getting rained out. Uh, many residents chose to remain in their damaged homes rather than move to the cramped shelters. We are very concerned about such severe storms this early in the season, and on the back of unprecedented damage and destruction caused by the recent conflict, uh, says Robert Turner, UN Director of Operations in Palestine. Uh, we are particularly concerned for those families still seeking adequate shelter and prepared for the winter months and for the impact the flooding is already having on children unable to attend school. In August, an, an Egyptian brokered ceasefire was called between Israel and Palestine under the Israelis agreed to ease its eight-year blockade of Gaza. Right? Huh. And uh, Egypt would reopen its borders crossing and so on and so forth. The seven-week Gaza conflict, which ended in the truce on August 26, killed more than 2,100 Palestinians, most of them civilians. The UN says, along with 67 Israeli soldiers and six civilians in Israel. But the key is that they're, that that you know they're targeting this with with excessive rain, and they can do that. They can do that, folks. You know, they can actually do that. They had over 14,000, 14 million. 500,000 on this website. Geoengineering Watch, folks. Everybody can go to that. Uh, uh -huh. great, great website. Um, learn something. Learn a lot about your... Um, What's happening? Yeah. What's going on? You know, it's being globally occupied by stuff. And it's really... I mean, your weather is... is, is my God, you know? Mm -hmm. It's absolutely staggering. It's frightening. Um, we try, folks. <laughs> we try to bring you information. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's an uphill battle. <sighs> yeah. Now, here's Brave New Film Security, uh, hat that uh, Occupy Democrats. But here's Occupy Democrats. Uh, Iraq War, by the numbers, 4,400 troops dead, 31,000 troops disabled, $1.1 trillion spent, Zero weapons of mass destruction is found. Oh, and $39 billion in no-bid contracts to Halliburton, Dick Cheney's former company. Now, I think those are low statistics because um, we know that from covering this for so many years uh, that the, the, the actual disabled troops, um, injured and disabled and whatnot, uh, were well over 100,000. Okay, for this country, well over 100 American troops, 100,000. And the dead were, I think, far more than 4,400 as well. And, you know, I don't know when that was put out, but, you know, some of these stats are wrong. Uh, some are wrong. So, anyway, um, it's only got a couple of minutes left, so with that, I think we're going to say hail to the chief there. And I'm going out. I wonder if I can bring some. Here's something that really we can end with this. Um, all illegal immigrants can cross the border. An illegal immigrant can cross the U.S. border, have a baby, 
get access to tax-funded services immediately. A disabled veteran coming back from Afghanistan has to wait a year to receive his or her benefits. It's disgraceful. That's why I was from Steve Logan, Logan2014.com, Logan for Congress. Um, and I guess that's it. That's uh, on the show. And I want to thank everybody uh, for joining me tonight. I hope you will join us tomorrow when Lila and I bring you union news, and maybe we'll have uh, Larry Dorman on with us. So, uh, that would be great if we yeah, do. Yeah, and, uh, but uh, I want to thank everybody for joining, and uh, talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, have a good night, folks. Let's bless the rest. Well, let's bless the rest. Yep. Good night. Is that you, me?